Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Women podcast. If you're a woman who is ready and willing to be a follower of Jesus, you're in the right place. Join me this season as we dive in deep to learn how to embrace your journey on the covenant path with checkpoints instead of checklists. I'm your host, Darla Trendler, and I'm cheering you on. Welcome to your journey. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Women podcast. This is Darla. I'm so happy that you're here. This is our last episode in a 10-part series about embracing your journey on the covenant path with checkpoints instead of checklists. And I have loved doing these 10 episodes. I'm so grateful that you've been here. I just want to remind you that there is a devotional that you can get for each episode. It comes all together in one file. It gives you something to read that goes a little deeper from the episode. It gives you something to ponder and then a way to act because you have to act on what you're feeling. If you don't act, you won't feel power. That's what I always say, act and the power comes. So if you're interested in that devotional, you can find the link in the show notes or on my website, spiritually Okay, I have three more things that I want to tell you before we dive into this episode. Today, we're going to be talking about being an extension of the Savior's love for other people on the covenant path. But before we do that, I just wanted to let you know a couple of announcements. So the first one is that after this episode, I'm going to be taking a break and I'm going to be coming back with season five in the new year and I am going to be doing interviews and I would like to interview people and help share your journey on the covenant path. I just want to talk to people about what their journey has looked like because I think there is so much value in hearing each other's stories and knowing that we're not alone and knowing that... Our stories don't always get wrapped up nicely with a bow on top, right? Like we have messy parts of our story and things that that aren't perfect. And so next season, I'm going to be opening up for interviews again. And I want to interview you. If you have something to share about your journey on the covenant path, I want to interview you. So I have an application that I've created. You can find it in the show notes or on my website or on Instagram And you can fill out that application and apply to be on the show. I don't care if you have a following on Instagram or a website. If you do, that's great. If you don't, no problem. I just want to hear stories from other women who are journeying on the covenant path and what that has looked like for you. So if you're interested in being on the show next season, find that application, fill it out and send it to me. Okay, the second thing that I wanted to tell you about is that I have something free that I want to share with you. I created a free course that is called Five Ways to Reimagine Prayer. It's just a way for you to hear some different ideas about how you might pray and have a new prayer practice that might help you find a deeper way that you can connect with Heavenly Father in your prayers. What this course is, is it's going to be through email and you'll get a a different email every day for five days. Each email will feature an interview that I've done with someone who has reimagined prayer to give you an idea. So I'm doing one of the videos talking about my prayer journal. I interviewed Brooke Snow about visualization. I interviewed Heather Erickson with the Cara Project, and she talks about Bible study and how that will help you with your prayers. And I also interviewed Cammie DeWitt, who is a faith-based life coach. And she talked about just approaching prayer like God is just your best friend sitting in the car seat next to you. And then I also interviewed Shelly Swap, who's an herbalist. And she talks about the ritual of making herbal tea. And that can actually be a way to commune with the divine. I want to help open your mind to new ways that you can pray and to just know that you can pray in a way that makes sense for you. So 
The videos are super short. They're going to come to your email and they're less than 10 minutes long. So it's not going to take you long. And if you're interested in that, the links are in all the usual places. You can find the link in the show notes. You can find it in my Instagram profile and you can find it on my website, spiritualmindedwomen.com. Okay. One more thing I wanted to tell you is that I talked last week about the book that I have written a chapter for. It's a compilation book with 11 different women. It's called You Are Distinct and Different. And if you are interested in purchasing this book, Again, all the links and all the places, Instagram, my website, show notes, all of that. It can also be found on Amazon. So you can just search You Are Distinct and Different and that book will come up. If you purchase the book, which I'm so grateful if you do, and if you read it and you love it, will you please leave a review on Amazon? Reviews on Amazon help authors so much. It would help me and all of the other women who wrote a chapter as a part of this book, and especially Kay of A Worldwide Sisterhood, who spent so much time putting this book together. It would mean so much to us. Reviews actually really help authors. So if you wouldn't mind leaving a review on Amazon after you get the book and read it, I would be so grateful. If you don't know how to leave a review on Amazon, reach out to me. I will show you how to do it. That would be so great. Okay, so let's go ahead and we're going to dive into this episode. This episode is episode 10, like I said, the last one in our 10-part series about embracing your journey on the covenant path with checkpoints instead of checklists. And we're going to talk about love. So last week we talked about purpose, and this is kind of, you know, once you know your purpose, we've talked about lots of different aspects of being on the covenant path. But one thing that I really wanted to dive into, and I've saved it for the last episode, is that when you know what your journey is on the path, then you can help other people. And we can be an extension of the Savior's love. I'll talk about that in just a minute. But I want to tell you a story first. So one really cold January morning when I was living in Utah, I left my apartment early to get to work because I knew the road conditions would be snowpacked and slippery. And so I'm making my way down a major street and I saw a girl, a young girl, trudging through thigh deep snowdrifts on the other side of the road. She was clearly a teenager with a backpack on, plus a musical instrument in each hand. And I could see that she was not wearing gloves and she seemed to be struggling. When I saw her, I thought how strange it was that someone would be trudging in the deep snow carrying so much stuff. And as I kept driving, I had a strong impression. Turn around and pick her up. I brushed the thought aside because I didn't want to be late for work. But again, I felt the impression a second time, only this time it was even stronger. Turn around and pick her up. So I made a U-turn at the next intersection and I pulled alongside the girl. I rolled down my window and said, hi, do you need some help? The girl immediately broke down into tears and she told me that she was a student at a nearby high school and had missed the bus that morning. She received a ride part of the way, so she had decided to walk the rest of the distance. She told me her name was Rachel and she was a band student. She was carrying a bassoon, which is quite a large instrument, and a flute along with her book bag. And Rachel had become disoriented in the snow, and she didn't even know if she was walking the right way. I knew the high school was close by, but she was, in fact, walking the wrong direction. I told her my name, and I asked her if I could give her a ride to school. She was so relieved, and she didn't hesitate to say yes to my offer for help. We loaded her instruments in the trunk, and we chatted about band stuff, and in only a few minutes, we were at her school. She grabbed her instruments, thanked me, and told me she was never going to miss the bus again. So this season, we have talked all about embracing your journey on the covenant path with checkpoints instead of checklists. As you gain more confidence in your journey, there will be inevitably opportunities for you to reach out to others. 
on the icy morning that I met Rachel on the side of the road, I knew where I was going and I had a way to get there. Rachel knew where she was going to, but she needed some guidance about which direction she needed to go. She also needed help getting there. I believe a loving Heavenly Father knew of Rachel's plight that snowy day, and he put me in a position to help her exactly when she needed it. I was able to literally help Rachel get back on her journey. And although we are all each on our own unique journey, our personal path will also be intertwined with the paths of others. There are many instances in our lives where God places us in a position to help others who are lost, going the wrong direction, or who have stepped away from their journey on the covenant path. One of my favorite talks from April 2020 General Conference was by Sister Joy Jones. And Sister Jones's talk is what got me thinking about this episode about love. If you remember, she shared about the roles of a covenant-keeping woman in the restoration in that talk. She gave hope to every Latter-day Saint woman that although we have many roles, we don't have to do them all at once. Hallelujah! Isn't that the best news? But the thing that I love most about Sister Jones's words was what she said at the very end, quote, in the final analysis of women's continuing roles in the restoration and for us all, what role is preeminent? I testify that it is to hear him, to follow him, to trust him, and to become an extension of his love. Preeminent means these roles surpass all others. They are the most important roles for us to fulfill. We've touched on all four of these crucial roles in this season's episodes, and today, in the last episode of the season, I want to dive a little deeper on the fourth role that Sister Jones mentioned, become an extension of his love. So in the Book of Mormon, we learn about a group of Lamanites who were taught by the sons of Mosiah, and they were converted. They were referred to as the Anti-Nephi-Lehites, or the people of Ammon, since the great missionary Ammon was the first to teach them. So prior to being taught and converted to the gospel, these people had been especially bloodthirsty, and through the teachings they received from the missionaries, they said, we have been convinced of our sins and of the many murders which we have committed. They decided that as part of their new journey in life on the covenant path, they would bury all their weapons. They made a covenant with God to never kill again. In Alma 24, 18, we read, and this they did, it being in their view, a testimony to God and also to men that they never would use weapons again for the shedding of man's blood. And this they did, vouching and covenanting with God, that rather than shed the blood of their brethren, they would give up their own lives. The scriptures say that the anti-Nephi-Lehi's were firm and would suffer even unto death rather than commit sin. But making this covenant did not mean that they were never faced with having to go to war again. Now, fortunately for the anti-Nephi-Lehi's, they had some allies. There was another group of believers who were Nephites who were willing to protect them. These Nephites went to great lengths to help their brothers and sisters so they would not have to break their covenant with God. I love the faith of the anti-Nephi-Lehi's. They were truly converted to Jesus Christ to make the covenant not to shed blood. But their compatriots, the Nephites, were equally converted and true to their covenants as well. However, there came a point where the war between the Nephites and the Lamanites really heated up. And these anti-Nephi-Lehi's were so grateful for both the physical and spiritual protection they had received from the Nephites. But they could clearly see that the efforts to defend them were coming at a cost to the Nephites. They couldn't bear to see their selfless friends continue to make such great sacrifices on their behalf. So they decided they would have to break their covenant and take up their weapons. But 
these Nephites who were defending them, they did not want their friends to break their covenant with God. So they compelled the people of Ammon not to bring out their swords. Now, I'll come back to the story in just a minute, but let's pause here to think about a question. Why were the Nephites so willing to make great sacrifices to protect their brothers and sisters in the gospel? I believe the willingness of the Nephites is rooted in their understanding of their own covenants. They had been taught what the prophet Alma had shared two generations earlier about keeping their baptismal covenants. Bear one another's burdens, mourn with those who mourn, comfort those who need comfort, and stand as a witness of God at all times and in all things and in all places. Because they understood their covenants, they were committed to helping their brothers and sisters in the gospel do the same. We have made the same covenants with our Heavenly Father and promised the same things, bear burdens, mourn, comfort, and represent the Savior in all circumstances. We have the same responsibility the Nephites did to help others traveling alongside us. In June 2020, I read an article in the church news giving a summary of a talk by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland to incoming mission presidents and their wives. Elder Holland had spoken about one of the final messages the Savior gave to his disciples before he was crucified. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Elder Holland pointed out that this was one of the last things that Christ taught to his apostles. Of all the messages and teachings the Savior could give to the men who would continue his work, this was the one he emphasized because, as Elder Holland put it, it was a message, quote, very easily grasped, if not necessarily so easily lived, end quote. I have often prayed about improving relationships in my life, and the answer to these prayers is always the same, love. Think about any problem you have in your life. Then think about a way love could help you solve it. Love is the answer. The Nephites who chose to protect the people of Ammon used the love they felt from the Savior as motivation to love and help others. Elder D. Todd Christofferson shared, quote, How does his church accomplish the Lord's purposes? It is important to recognize that God's ultimate purpose is our progress. His desire is that we continue from grace to grace until we receive a fullness of all He can give. That requires more than simply being nice or feeling spiritual. It requires faith in Jesus Christ, repentance, baptism of water and of the Spirit, and enduring in faith to the end. One cannot fully achieve this in isolation, so a major reason the Lord has a church is to create a community of saints that will sustain one another in the straight and narrow path which leads to eternal life, end quote. Elder Christofferson emphasizes that our progress involves more than simply being nice or feeling spiritual. It's more than checking the box that we did something for the person we minister to. Our individual progress includes embracing the doctrine of Christ. We get strength to continue in our own journey when we are part of a group that is striving for the same goal. Sister Elaine L. Jack also made this point. Speaking to sisters, she said, quote, We are part of a grand whole. We need each other to make our sisterhood complete. End quote. No matter where you are in your journey on the covenant path, you will encounter Rachels who are struggling in their journey and maybe going the wrong way. I love Sister Jack's words because they emphasize that we need each other as sisters. We can help and support each other even when our journeys do not look the same. 
Now, I said I was going to come back to this story about the anti-Nephi-Lehi's in the Book of Mormon. So these converts had made the covenant not to take up arms, but their children had not made this covenant, right? We all know the story about their children. Call them the stripling warriors. And in Alma 53.17, we read about what these children did. And they entered into a covenant to fight for the liberty of the Nephites, yea, to protect the land unto the laying down of their lives. Yea, even they covenanted that they never would give up their liberty, but they would fight in all cases to protect the Nephites and themselves from bondage. Just as their parents had done years before, these valiant sons made a covenant with God. But the thing the sons covenanted to do was the exact opposite of what their parents had promised to do. Recently, a friend who was reading this story as part of their personal scripture study sent me a message telling me how remarkable she thought it was that the parents and the children were asked to make covenants about opposite things. She felt it showed that we each have a unique journey and can be prompted to do different things. I totally agree with my friend. Recognizing there is more than one way to journey on the covenant path helps us to avoid judging and to instead love as the Savior did. In the case of the people of Ammon, both the parents and the sons were following the Savior and doing His will. To me, this story illustrates well that just because something is right for you and you are inspired to do something along your journey on the covenant path doesn't mean the same will be true for someone else. A few episodes back, I talked about comparison, and I shared about Elder Ballard's social media post advocating the need for women to not judge each other's choices and inspiration. Elder Ballard used the example that God might inspire one mother to stay home with her kids and put her career on hold. He might inspire another mother to further her education or have a career and leave her children in the care of someone else. Both are right. The only thing you have to be concerned with is that you are hearing him and then acting on what you hear. You don't have to worry about what someone else is hearing. Another way to think about this is an analogy that was shared by Marlene Williams in a 2004 BYU devotional. It illustrates this point so well. So I'm just going to paraphrase what Marlene Williams said in that devotional. So let's say that you need a pair of glasses to help you see. I have horrible vision, so I can relate to this. You have a thorough eye exam and you're given a prescription. The glasses are then made specifically and uniquely for you and your prescription. What would happen if you went to your next door neighbor and made her wear your glasses? The chances are slim that they would help her with her vision. If she wore your glasses, she might get headaches and she probably would not see things clearly. Although the glasses are incredibly helpful for you, they probably would be of little use to your neighbor. Assuming that just because the glasses work for you, they will work for someone else the same way is flawed thinking. As Professor Williams shared in the devotional, Quote, with my prescription, you could not do the work that is yours alone to do. God is the one who must fit the prescription for each of us. Only he has the knowledge and wisdom to know our unique needs. End quote. We are not in competition with each other for the Savior's love or for a spot at the end of the covenant path. As it says in Ecclesiastes 9.11, The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. After sharing this scripture, Professor Williams said, quote, You need not be the swift nor the strong, the most beautiful, the thinnest, the most talented, nor the highest achiever. 
What God requires of each of us is that we do whatever is our unique mission on earth to do and stay in the race that eventually culminates with exaltation and eternal life. End quote. The Savior's words to Emma Smith in Doctrine and Covenants 25, 13 through 15 apply to each of us. Wherefore, lift up thy heart and rejoice and cleave unto the covenants which thou hast made. Continue in the spirit of meekness and beware of pride. Keep my commandments continually and a crown of righteousness thou shalt receive. And except thou do this where I am, you cannot come. Lifting up our heart is loving others. When we cleave to our covenants, we can truly help those around us with love instead of judgment, gossip, and pride. When we see others struggling to stay on the covenant path, we can reach out and help them. We don't have to know and understand exactly what they are going through to be able to help. I have never personally felt super marginalized as a woman in the church, but this doesn't mean that I don't want to help. Just because I haven't experienced it doesn't mean that women's voices are sometimes not heard. I know many women who have experienced negative things in interactions while serving in the church. I feel compassion for them, and I try to advocate and speak up for them whenever I have the opportunity. In the book, A Place to Belong, author Ashley May Hoyland shared, quote, I wonder how I can be Christ-like in doing the work that others sometimes cannot do for themselves. For me, I think the answer will always be found in what Christ repeatedly taught, simply look and then listen, end quote. If I had not looked around on that snowy January day many years ago, I would have missed the opportunity to pull over to the side of the road and help Rachel get to school. That day, the Spirit helped me to know she needed my help on her journey. The same can be true for each of us on the covenant path. If we are looking, we can listen for the Holy Ghost to help us know who needs our love, support, and guidance to continue on their journey. The result of looking and listening not only allows us to help others, but also brings us peace, joy, and a life more aligned and closer to our Savior. And if it so be that you should labor all your days in crying repentance unto this people, and bring save it be one soul unto me, how great shall be your joy with him in the kingdom of my Father. And now, if your joy will be great with one soul that you have brought unto me in the kingdom of my Father, how great will be your joy if you should bring many souls unto me. Yes, we are each on our own unique journey along the covenant path, but we can embrace that journey and our covenants more fully when we seek out others who need our help. BYU professor Ellie Young summed up well in her June 2019 BYU devotional titled The Transformative Power of Covenants. She said, quote, How we will walk the covenant path by comforting others, strengthening others, and building relationships is not a path that is easily evaluated using a checklist. Evaluating my progress on this path is a qualitative, open-ended, descriptive consideration of how well I am loving others and how I am building a trusting, joyful relationship with God. End quote. In the book, A Place to Belong, Alice Broby, a teacher with varied experiences growing up on a Caribbean island as well as living in Europe and West Africa, shared about developing the culture of Christ. When I read her words, I wrote in the margin of the book, we don't need a culture of the church. We need a culture of Christ. We have the opportunity and privilege to love others in such a way that they will more fully recognize the Savior's love for them. When they feel this love, they will have a desire to make and keep covenants that will lead them home to our heavenly parents. When we seek to be an extension of the Savior's love, 
we are doing his work and we will experience the joy that comes with doing the work of salvation. Thank you so much for joining me this season of the Spiritually Minded Women podcast. I hope that listening to these episodes, you have come closer to the Savior. I hope you have come to know more fully that your journey has value and that the things your journey allows you to contribute are unique and important. I hope you'll continue your journey of being a spiritually minded woman and that you will reach out and be an extension of the Savior's love to others. You can embrace your journey on the covenant path with checkpoints instead of checklists. I'm cheering you on. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and if you did, please share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on Apple Podcasts. This actually helps more women find the podcast and embrace their own journey on the covenant path. To get access to the workbook for this season and to find show notes and other resources, head over to spirituallymindedwomen.com. For more inspiration, follow along on Instagram at spirituallymindedwomen. Have a fantastic day. I'm cheering you on in your journey.